Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. Thank you for joining me. I am Dale Luganbill, your host. If you haven't already, please go like Full Scale Outdoors on Facebook and the social medias, Instagram, uh, all that fun stuff. I'm not going to get too deep into it. You know what to do. You're all pros at this by now, but I would appreciate the uh, help. You know, I got a lot of um, likes on Facebook right now uh, with the Full Scale Outdoors page, but it's not um, equal to what I have going on Instagram. It's a little lopsided. I could use some more Instagram followers. So if you're following me on Facebook but not on Instagram, head on over to Instagram, Full Scale underscore Outdoors, and give that a follow too greatly appreciated all right my guest today this was a lot of fun um again second week in a row with audio issues but uh is michael thompson mt as he is known in the uh in the upper midwest tournament circles he was fished in the upl he has been on the usa team naifc he is a tournament kayak angler and an overall extremely interesting person uh had a great time talking with him uh, one of the guests where I don't really have to say much. He just kind of runs, and, and and I love it, and uh, steer it a little bit, but that's that's about it. A uh, ton of fun talking with him. Hopefully down the road we can actually get together and meet in person would be awesome. But, uh, yeah, you guys, if you're into fishing competitively, you're interested about kayak fishing, it's going to be a great in- great episode for you so let us get into it this is the full scale outdoors podcast with michael thompson (laughs) oh here we go boys go oh i love that sound This is a good one.
next year, I decided to try that out. They have both the monthly online tournaments, and they have a trail where you actually go to an event fish trail. It's kind of like almost like a Bassmasters tournament, only only with kayaks. That's pretty big now, isn't it? Like that turn that kayak tournament trail. There's some real money there. Oh, there is actually a real Bassmasters kayak division now. There was there wasn't two years ago, but there actually is now. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I fished the the KBF tournaments and ended up doing really good on my first one. I um, took like fifth place, you know, against some of the best kayak fishers around. I was like, wow, this is, you know, I gotta keep doing this. What lake was that on? It was on a Madison chain down in Wisconsin. All right. Yeah. And I I didn't find anything pre-fishing. I go, oh, it's going to be a dud. But then I decided, decided, oh, well, I'm just going to, um, do what I normally do when I have no, not a clue is start skipping sinkles under docks. And that's what I did all day. And I ended up catching some nice fit. Well, that's a very effective method. That is for sure. Yeah. That's kind of like my go-to when I don't know where they are anywhere else, you know, and you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it worked pretty good for me. And I said, okay, well, I did good on that. And then they had another one. They had another one on the river down by lacrosse so i decided to try that one out and if i figure well if i do if i do good on this one i'm gonna fish the whole trail then because then i have then i'm in the running for anger of the year so sure. i figure so i ended up doing real good i ended up uh winning uh seventh place in the tournament and i caught the biggest bass of the tournament it was uh 19 three quarter inch you know they they don't weigh these fish they right right take a picture of it and on a board with an identifier right up right above it and it was uh you know the end of um i ended up winning a thousand dollars in that tournament i think i took 500 for seventh place and 500 for biggest fish plus i was getting up there you know towards the top for points so i said okay i'm gonna um i'm gonna finish this out and see if i can fish the whole you have to fish four events to you know qualify for the anger of the year so and that's out of how many possible events i think five okay there's one i didn't go to i don't remember exactly the number i should have done my homework before this interview but i didn't know where it was going Do but you... anyway <laughs> anyway there was one on michigan i didn't go to that one it was uh, I, I had something else going on that weekend but i the other two were both in uh, missouri so i had to put on some miles for these oh wow the first one was on uh, mark twain lake and and that was a that was tough on pre-fishing i couldn't find much of anything but um i found a few smaller fish and so i ended up going there and and working just grinding it out it was a tough bite you know i ended up fishing around wood cover something something new that you don't usually do in minnesota but it was fun i got some fish and but i lost a really big one because because um earlier in the day i hooked hooked into a big fish and ended up being a drum and the way it fought it just tore a line oh, off no. and started doing circles you know and i was like oh it's... <laughs> and i finally got up as a drum and i said well i'm not surprised i didn't it didn't fight like a bass but later in the day i hooked into a big fish i did the same thing it just took off i was fishing a pretty light i was fishing with a a, a mushroom head and a sinkle and he just grabbed it and took off running i said oh here we go again another drum and he can't i started working him up and he started doing the circles again and so I kind of horsed him up because I wanted to get back to fishing, you know, for the fish I count. And right as he came to the surface, I saw it was, it was a giant bass. I mean, it had to be over 20 inches. Oh. And, and, 
but I horsed him up too quick and the hook tore out of his lip right when I saw what it was. <laughs> I had to just sit there for five minutes and just stare at the water. I Heartbreak. Like, oh, I know man. that feeling all too well. So that, that mushroom head and the Senko, like full, would you call that a jig worm or a Ned rig? Oh, since I'm from Minnesota and I fished them before Mr. Ned was even born, probably, I would have to call it a jig worm. <laughs> I feel you like know, in my that's what they call them now. That's what they call them is Ned rigs. I well, there's 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 both. I think I think the jig worm and in the, the way I understand it anyway, what I would consider a Ned is like not a full size worm basically because it seems like they're just cutting senkos in half. You know, it's like yeah. a smaller presentation. That's what I would call a Ned, and then right. if okay, it's a full size worm, I call it a jig worm. But that's okay, just so my definition of it. It's a hybrid between them. Sometimes I cut, depends on the fish we're biting. Sometimes I trim them down a bit, and sometimes I fish them a whole one. A lot of times this summer I fish them a whole one, but I think I was trimmed down a little bit, so maybe I'm in in, in the Ned Flanders land. I don't do, know. <laughs> do the, do the in-between, start start doing the three-quarter of a, of a full Senko, and then it's the MT rig. Oh, there you go. Now we're talking. Yeah, so you got you got to put a little spin on it and see if that catches huh. on. Yeah, you, How'd you they, catch your fish today? Well, I, was, uh, I was doing the old MT today. That was that was the trick. The, the yep. head was too small and the jig worm was too big, so I had to go to the MT. Was just right. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't just right. I didn't get any big fish. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was I was looking at coming in with one. You have to have five fish for a lemon. I was looking at coming in with four, and I stopped at one last place right before the um, I had to go in, and. I managed to catch a 12-inch bass off this after catching five um, green sunfish in a row, devouring my MT rig. Uh, I I hooked another one. I go, oh, this feels a little bigger, and I, and I saw it. And boy, I was never so happy to see a 12-inch bass in my life. Oh, I bet. You know, it still didn't get me in the top 10, but at least I was, you know, I, it got me up to 13th place, and and that kept me in the running. So I ended up going to the the finals was. Um, the final trail finals was down on Table Rock in Missouri, and it's a two-day tournament. That so fall bag is a big there. deal. Yeah, so I went down there to do another long drive down there, and oh, I had a lot of fun on Table Rock. I, I really got into some nice spotted bass. That was kind of fun. But the first day was, you know, it was kind of kind of tough. I, you know, I really had to scrape out a limit, and I got a couple upgrades right at the end. Got got to 13th place after the first day. Yeah, you know, so that was all right. And it was funny, uh, everybody almost um, hanging out that night at the campground where we were staying and and there's this one guy that he he had a few drinks and and he was spilling all the beans where he was getting his fish. And I just and there's something great about the sober life, man. I was just hanging out, you know, and listening to him blab away and he told me, Yeah, go um he that he likes to go. The water temperature was like ninety five degrees. It was oh hot. Oh my god! It was terrible hot. So the fish were kind of in a funk. And I decided, well, I'm gonna listen to this guy and 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 totally abandon everything I learned and go try. He said, go up into the creek arms, way up in the creek arms, and there's these creeks that are flowing in there that are, have cold water and it's attracting the fish right up into the shallows. So I thought, well, I'm gonna paddle up there and check it out. So I um. Got up there, and sure enough, my temperature gauge started going down into the 80s. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I saw some big fish swirling around, and I thought they were carp. And I spooked them. And I was like, oh, they're carp, I bet. 
but I, I didn't see them, you know, and I backed off a little bit and I started casting a whopper plopper and sure enough, boom, got a, got a nice 18 inch bass. Oh, oh, nice. Nice. And then, and then that was it. I spooked the rest of them, but if there was another Creek arm nearby, so I went to that one and I stayed back this time and I cast it. There was one stick up just sticking out in the middle of the, of the area where the cold water is flowing. I cast the whopper plopper past that and, splash just a massive strike and i got him and i worked him to the boat and i saw him in the water and i, and I saw this long skinny fish i go oh that's not a bass what is it and i got him up closer and i saw him and i go oh it is a bass and i netted him and it was just a long skinny bass and back fishing it doesn't matter if they're skinny as long as they're long right and this one ended up being you know 19 and a half inches Ooh, real nice so that's that's a, that's a kicker and i was so i was excited Got that one. And then I caught a dink. They have to be 12 inches, and it wasn't, so I tossed it back. And then I caught a a 15-and-a-half-inch bass. I, I reeled them in real quickly. You know, good keeper for, for sure. And this one went settled down. He was in a net and flopping around. I finally I put him on the board, and I set my net. I had the board on my lap, and I set my net on the side. So if he decided to um, make a quick run for the lake, that he'd jump into the net. So I was trying to measure him, trying to get a picture, and I was getting ready, and I lifted the camera, and all of a sudden he flopped, and he gave the one heck of a flop, and he flopped over the net and into the water no. without getting its picture taken. No. And then, and I wish I, I wish I was rolling video at this time because this was hilarious, but I wasn't doing that yet. I didn't have my video set up for the tournaments. So I saw I when I when I was measuring, I drifted up onto a shallow uh, sand flat. It was only six inches deep, and the, the, it was kind of too shallow for the fish to swim upright. So it's kind of on his side, and he was kind of just sitting there. And I was like, "Oh, I'm getting you. You come here right now." And so I jumped out of the boat, and I had my net, and I started wading towards him. And he saw me. He started swimming, and I started chasing him, and. Oh, I was. Oh, I would have had to. I would have had to do some video cuts because I was swearing. I said, "Come here!" Uh, but sure enough, the water started getting deeper, and he was gone. Oh no! And I was like, "Well, no biggie. That you know, the still got most of the tournament left. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get more. I'm on the fish now." So I just went back to fishing, and all of a sudden, this big wind came up, and this is a big impoundment. Table Rock Lake is a big impoundment, and and it, and it just happened to be with the area I was at was in the worst possible position. So the wind started coming up and I kept fishing and fishing and fishing and it, the wind just stirred up something. I don't know what happened or if I caught all the fish, I couldn't get another bite. Hmm. I said, bang. So I was kind of went back to my old technique of just banging the shoreline, banging the shoreline. And it was tough. I worked and worked the shoreline, that whopper plopper. And then I went to a jig and I tried a Cinco and tried everything. And I, I was able to scrape in two more bass. And then that was it. I came in one short. I needed that <sighs> one fish that got away. So I ended up overall, I think I took uh, 13th place overall. That's out of how many boats? I don't know, maybe 60 or so. Oh, that's really good, well, though. It, it was really good, and, and it still kept me in contention from angler year, but... but uh, and luckily, the leader he had he had such big weights both days that no one was going to beat him. Uh, so I just for fun I added my um, 
15 inches to my total, and I would have taken second place. Oh, so I would have no. measured that fish. So I was happy that that guy was uncatchable because it would have been, I would have really been depressed if I right, won. right. You know, so I didn't win, but I would oh, I would I would have been, you know, right I would have that, that was a thousand dollar fish. That oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So just, tournaments can break your heart. Oh, you know, you. yes, they can. It could you leave it hooked when you take the picture? Like, is that like so? Then if he flops out, he's still attached to the line, or is that like? Are there any regulations against that? Well, it's called a whopper plopper. Oh, uh, that's true. They, you wouldn't want those they'll, treble they'll hooks. Fear God into you. Those yeah, things. you don't want treble hooks flopping around. That's a good so, point. Yeah, you know, you know. That's so a good point. I, um, yeah, I wish they'd let you uh, put them on like a, a fish grips or something, but that that's not legal. You can't. You gotta hmm. measure them. You gotta measure them without fish grip. You can hold it down. Put your hand in the middle of the fish. You don't want to cover their gill or their tail, but if you put your hand in the middle of the fish, you're good. But he's that was such a vicious flop that even that didn't help. Mm. So heartbreak. Yeah. So I learned learned my lesson. Get that fish on the floor of the boat. Don't do it on your lap. Even if you got a net set on you, don't do it. Get it on the floor of the boat. And uh, now I got a way of measuring him. Now you can see it on my video from Chisago Lake. I did. Uh, this year I did a tournament on Chisago Lake, and I can get into that story how I almost won that. But yeah, I, I, was, I think thousand. I was I was out there just fun fishing. Uh, I think when um, people were pre fishing for that, there were some pretty good. Um, well, I say weights because you guys measure them, but, but I think your bags were pretty impressive out there. Yeah, well, I struggled all that was last year. That was for the um, the Minnesota Kayak Fishing Association. They have a tournament everywhere every year out there called the um chris nelson memorial it's it's because our sponsor high temple um kayaks uh has uh, um the owners they they um had her son that was an avid kayak bass fisherman and he um unfortunately passed away due to cancer i believe mm-hmm. and so every year we put on an event to um for a memorial and and we and it's a great event. Every year we take signups over the internet, and in in an hour it sells out. I think the oh, limit wow. is seventy five boats. Holy smokes! So, so it's a big. It's turning into quite an event. It's really fun. Is that, and, is that has that been released? Is that filled for this year already? Yep. Yeah, it filled up in about an hour. Damn it. Yeah. I would have signed up. Although I mean, I have a. I don't fish out of my kayak very often, but it's. Um, I don't even remember. It's an ascend. Okay. So well, there's it's... some other opportunities. I'll get to that in a second. But anyway, back to Chisago Lake. That lake owes me a tournament win because <laughs> I can tell you, uh, I don't know, five or six years ago, I don't know if you heard the story. I um, It was an ice fishing tournament. Me and Lawrence Luma were uh, fishing is Frankie's. Uh, they have it every year, Frankie's Panfish Tournament. Mm-hmm. Frankie's Panfish Tournament. And back then it was just a one day event. And, uh, well, we, um, I happened to, uh, the last day of pre-fishing, like an hour before dark, I happened to find out where these great big giant hybrid sunfish were. And it was like one after another and they were all, you know, nine plus inches, you know, <sighs> just huge. And that's the kind of fish you want to find on Chisago to go with your crappies to win that. Yeah, they are. So. So in the morning we went out and got our crappies right away in the morning and then 
And we decided, well, let's go to our sunfish spot and see if they're still there. And sure enough, they were. And we just sat there and just hammered them. And, and, uh, but we decided to, after we got our sunnies, we had, we decided to go try to catch a kicker crappie. And we ended up staying out a little too late and we started seeing everybody go in. So we said, oh, we got to go in. We got to go in. So we quickly threw all our stuff together and threw everything. We had a, we had my snowmobile conked out. So we went in his snowmobile and, we had everything loaded up in this fish trap in the back, and we hightailed back to the landing with just five minutes to spare to weigh our fish. And we got in, and we turned around and looked, and our fish trap was gone. And our fish bucket was in the fish trap, and we oh, didn't even know that out. We were, just, we were catching air on the way back. We were flying, and we didn't want to be late. So uh, so we went back, got our fish bucket, and we came back, and we were like you know, five minutes late. So every minute, you lose so much weight. So we still weighed in, and our we ended up uh, beating the whole field by over a pound. With the and deductions, or no, before? No, our weight, and then with the dedu- deductions, we end up like fifteenth okay. place. Okay, holy so, smokes! So that, that's why I always say I gotta win a tournament on that. <laughs> so I was I was struggling anyway, and I got I got my um, limit, but they're small fish, you know, and I was like, well. Dang. And I thought, well, there's one place I see all the fish, all the big fish are in the shallows the week before. I said, the tournaments are on a Saturday and I work all week, so I have to pre fish the week before. That's the only mm-hmm. time I can. So the fish totally changed for me anyway. I, some people got them shallow still, but I couldn't find anything but small ones shallow. So I went out to a spot where I found them deep, but they were small the week before. And it, it totally flip flopped. I got there and right away I got a nice big one. I only had two hours to go here, so I was like, I got to upgrade these fish. That's my only chance because I was in the bottom of the barrel pretty much. I wasn't going to win any money. And then I uh, got one 17-incher, and then five minutes later, I had a 19-and-a-half, I think it was. I go, okay, things are looking good now. I just need to get three more. And I scraped and struggled, and I caught two more, two more nice ones. And I got me in the top ten. You know, I was like, all I need is one more, and I could win this thing. You know, and... Five minutes ago, boom, I hooked a nice bass. I go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It was another 17-incher. Got it, got it entered and everything, and that got me within a half inch of winning. So you know, um, so when when you enter a fish, like it's a a live board, like you you know what other people have? Right. We have this um, application called Tourney X. And some depends on the club. Some clubs say close it an hour before so people can't see. But this we don't happen to do that. So I I knew I was a half inch away from winning. So and and I thought, well, oh, that's some pressure. I have a shot. I have a shot, you know. But um so uh, but I ran out of time. I started paddling and I got about halfway in. I said, Oh, I'm gonna check and see the standings, see see how I am. And and the guy that was in third place. Caught a 20 incher with two inches, two minutes to go. Oh. And beat me. Yeah. And it's a guy, <clears throat> Dan, we call him Danny Z. He always wins this event. He, he wins it. <laughs> he's got like a whole garage full of boats that he's won because the first prize in this tournament is a nice new uh, Hobie Outback, one of those ones oh. with the pedal drive. And yeah. All the fancy, all the fancy doohickeys. Oh, nice. You know? So uh, I almost won, but. Uh, it was a great time. Uh, I have it all on video. If you go to Fish Chasers, that's my uh, YouTube channel. You can see the whole all all my upgrades. I caught every one of them on video, and 
It was absolutely the most fun time I had in a tournament. Those those two hours, even though I didn't win, you know, I got a little bit of revenge on this lake, but I still want to win a tournament. I hope they have another tournament sometime on that lake because I, and it's got to be a bass tournament because I don't do the ice tournaments, but but that would be um, that'd be great to win that. Yeah, so you used to do ice tournaments, like you talked about. You and and Luma were partners for the Frankie's thing, and okay, you fished on, UPL, right? Yet. Not, not go to ice yet. I oh, just, sorry. I just, I didn't want to segue yet. I just <laughs> threw up that little ice thing because, because it explains why I, I, I am out to get this. Right. Lake. Gotcha. Okay. It's All right. Great sorry. lake. But anyway, uh, you wanted to know about other, you know, you, you're, you want, you're thinking of trying kayak fishing. I, I tell you, uh, Minnesota Kayak Fishing Association's got another one coming up in July, I believe it is. It's called the Lightning Tournament, where the first prizes. Uh, a lightning kayak, which is kind of like a hobby only. It's made, I think it's made here in Minnesota or Wisconsin. And it's, and it's a similar type of boat. Pedal drive. But, um, but we'll t- be taking sign up soon. If you go, they, they have a mm. web page, you know, and they have a Facebook page where you can get all the information. It's um, Minnesota Kayak Fishing Association on the website. And you could sign up for that. And they, they I think they have another one in August too, but I'm not sure. And then there's another couple of my friends have started a new kayak um tournament actually a tournament series it's called um min kayak and their website is m-i-n-n yak.com and they're going to have a series in minnesota of like four or five different tournaments and you can join that and fish tournaments in minnesota so that's coming up this summer and they're and they, they're going to have a, a point system for angular year too if you're if you pay it like a five or fifty dollar membership fee, you can fish for angler of the year. Otherwise, you can just enter individuals if you turn them into you just want to try one. That would be pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I that's how I got into it. I um, I, I just tried one out, you know, and I did it out of an inflatable kayak, so you don't need a fancy gear. I didn't have all I had for a depth finder was my Vexlar flasher. And and I didn't have GPS. I didn't have anything, you know, just my paddle and and I was and I had to blow up my kayak and, at the beginning of the tournament. So, but that was fine. But uh, the kayak I buy when I decided I really wanted to get into kayak fishing tournaments, I found a a boat called a new canoe, and I really a really new canoe. Yeah, it's called uh, it's N U. And then the word canoe, and it's kind of like a kayak, kind of like a canoe a little bit, hmm. and, and somewhat like a plastic boat too. And and they got three different models, and and one is called the Frontier Twelve, and you can actually put a um, you can put a gas motor on it or a a, a Baumont trolley motor, so it's almost like a, a mini miniature um, bass boat. Now some kayak tournaments allow you to use these. Uh, really. Uh, Trolley, a trolley motor and some don't so so some so a lot of the big circuits like Bassmasters and uh and kbf they allow you to use those and and so some people are a lot of people are doing that that's a hot setup a new canoe with a a, a bauma trolley motor and, and and a they have the remote where you just push a button and it, i don't know if i like it or not i mean i mean it's great for some people uh you know and it's, you can fish a lot more efficiently, but it also it also takes almost takes a skill out of it a little bit. I mean, there is a skill to using those things too. Don't get me wrong, but 
I don't know. I kind of find it rewarding to have to deal with positioning my bow and working my anchor and trolley and all these things with the, with the, um, paddles or the pedals. And then there's other tournaments that don't allow the motors like, uh, um, Minnesota kayak fishing association. You can use a pedal drive or a, or a paddle, but then uh, our, uh, club min kayak, you can use uh, electric motor only, not a gas motor. So you can use the electric motor or you can use a smart motor, bow mount motor. You can use all that. So, so it, it makes it easier for beginners that are entering the sport that might not be familiar with working a paddle in the wind or stuff like that. So it helps out with that, but I'm sticking to my paddle and I just um, find it more rewarding and, if I can beat the guys to the motors, you know, I can gloat about it a little bit. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was something that stuck out with me when that Chisago tournament was going on. It's like we were out there fishing and actually kind of struggling in a bass boat. And then I, you know, read on there what you guys had for lengths of for the tournament. I was like, I just got smoked by people in a kayak. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. I don't think kayaks are a disadvantage over a bass boat. The only thing with a bass boat in bigger waters, you can get to more spots faster. But, but kayaks, just out of a kayak or a new my new canoe, I go with a new canoe pursuit because it paddles faster than the um, than the Frontier. And then there's a more entry level um, model, and all these are sit on top boats. The entry level is called the Flint, and what's really cool about them too is that they're unsinkable basically because you can you can take on water and it just drains right out the holes. It's they call them a sit on top kayak and they're really sturdy. I mean, I can stand up and paddle mine, even in two foot waves. I've got video of me standing up and paddling it. And, and it, yeah, I'd really like them. All. I really changed. They really changed me, really got me more into fishing. They've, they've come quite a way. I mean, kayaks have come, quite far i mean that they've even you know the trolling motors are one thing but I, they make even like a, a shallow water anchor system like a power pole for those don't they like a little yes, mini they do. yep they do all you have to do is flick a button and it'll and it'll and it'll drop a, a pole down into the um, bottom and and Boy, it, that would be handy oh yeah on a windy day you know it, you need to figure out a way to um fish in the wind because a lot of times the fishing is where it's windy and that's the way it was on chisago i was out in the middle of the lake I found an offshore spot. That's where I got all my nice fish. And I use what I use is a, it's called a drag chain. And I put it on a anchor trolley where I can work it out the front or the back of my boat. And what's nice is it's adjustable. If I want to really anchor hard, I put more chains on it. If I want to drift slowly, I take some chains off. Hmm. It works really good in the wind or, or on the river. And what's nice is I can just leave it out there. And if I need to move a little bit, I can just paddle and drag it, and then when I stop paddling, I stop. So it's it's very pinpoint boat control. So I can fish in the wind. When everybody's complaining about the wind, I just laugh. I go, I know how to handle this wind. Well, so how does that? How? All right, I'm a little bit confused now. Explain. Go in a little more detail about the chain system. Like you're adding a chain to a length of rope, or how? How is this? Uh, I just got a length of the rope, like an anchor rope, and I got a carabiner, a great big carabiner, and I put. I got like six different length of chain i i learned it from a uh one of the guys that are on our new canoe uh fishing team uh he, he goes by the name of river man fishing i can't recall his name right now my brain is kind of i need more coffee maybe i don't know but he, <laughs> he he did a video on how to um 
make your chain adjustable, you know, instead of just one big long chain, you put on like six chains. And then if you want to have less chain and drift faster down the river, you just pull one off or two off or, you know, and it'll position your boat perfectly in the river. So you're facing either up or down, you know, and then you drift lower or, or stop, you know, so it works great on lakes too on windy days, you know, unless it's super windy. And then I got a 10 pound uh, kettlebell. But I got another rope. If it gets really bad, I can throw that down, and that'll and that'll anchor me in just about anything. Interesting. Yeah, so that works really good, and so I like it when it's windy. That would uh, be, I suppose, like the lengths of chain too. Probably don't get snagged in rocks as much. Like if you're fishing right. in the they Mississippi or something, they don't, they don't get stuck in the rocks. They don't get. They don't pick up ten pounds of weeds every time I pull the anchor in. So they work really nice. Interesting. Yep. That is a great idea. I'm going to have to look into that. My kayak's not exactly uh, decked out with anything. Like, well, actually, it, it isn't. It's just I kayak and paddle. That's pretty much all the accessories I have on it. Yeah, um, that's kind of what I go go with, too. A lot of people like to really load up their boats with accessories and stuff like that and, and find it helpful. I really just I really got into kayak fishing for the simplicity of it. And what's nice about the new canoe, it's got a great big deck I can stand up if I want. I got lots of room there, and I can I I could customize and put all kinds of stuff on it, but I kind of just like to go real basic. You know, I got I I do have a sonar, I do a Lawrence uh, graph with a side view and stuff like that. Probably a little overkill, but you know it's kind of nice. The new and I power that. I got just a little uh, um, amped outdoors battery. Matt gave me and it works just great. Powers that unit up for the whole day. So that's about it for my electronics. I have a, you know, I have a pole with a light on it that in case I want to fish after dark. Or in some of these tournaments, they start before dark, so you got to have that because you don't want to, you know, want to be out there and have somebody not see you, you know. Right. So. Yeah, I'm looking at one of your pictures here, a recent one. You're on the, I think it's the Mississippi. I guess I'm not sure, but it's winter time, and you have a little like an orange flag with the light on it in the back. Yep, that's it. It's called Invisible. Yak Attack makes a. It's called Invisible, Invisible, or Visible, not Invisible. You wouldn't want something <laughs> right. Invisible. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, but yeah, it works really great. And um, I was gonna say, if anybody w- wants to check out my videos and see me, see how I um, do my tournaments, it's um, on Fish Chasers. This is my YouTube video. And if you look at, take a look at that new canoe, and you really like what you see. I am always willing to let somebody try mine out for a day and see if they like it. So, so if they want to try one out and see if you want to try it out or, That'd or whatever. Be cool. Yeah, I'm you know, uh, I'm available any weekday morning or in the summer. You know, when we actually got some daylight. You know, I you know. had uh, a while back. That's been it's been quite a while now. I don't remember what episode that was, but I had uh, Christine Fisher on. She's a pretty high-profile kayak angler. Oh yeah, Christine. She's she's just uh, uh, she's just um just cleaning it up. She did real well again in Florida this week, I guess. Yeah, I saw that. She had a couple of really nice fish. Have you fished uh, against her in a tournament before? I have not. She fishes a tournament called um, Hobie um Hobie Bass Series. Okay. So, so uh, I think it's what it's called. And and that's a tournament that um that's another big tournament in the winter the whoever finishes in points 
best in points gets are the top so many get to fish in a Hobie World Championships. That's kind of neat. They don't have a lot of events up here. They do have one on the river. And so that's another, oh, it's Hobie Bass Open. That's what it is. Hobie Bass Open. That's what it's called. So anybody can fish shows too. They do have one on the river down at La Crosse. I thought of fishing it, but. So I'll how does that you. work when, um, is it like a normal fishing tournament? You all take off at the same landing or can you, I mean, cause you can only cover so much water on a kayak, you know, you're down in pool four or pool five, whatever that is like. Yeah, you can put in you can put on any public landing. Okay. So you can put on a public landing, and then uh, then they have a designated time where you can take off from your landing, and that and you have to stay at the landing till till then. If you take off before then, and somebody catches you, you're you're done. Okay, so I got you. you. Better right. stay at the landing. <laughs> you know, otherwise, you're a poacher or a cheater. <laughs> cheater, so yeah. Yeah, you, you stay at the landing, and when the time is go, then you then you can go and and you can paddle as far as you want, or you can fish close. You know, if you can find, if you're fortunate enough to find a landing close to where you're fishing, you know, that's great. You know, but sometimes if you find a good spot, it's worth it to, you know, go for a while. And, sure. if, and if, if your spot don't pay off, you can throw your kayak back on your trailer and you can go to another landing. Or you can just drive to a different landing. Oh, okay. Well, that's, all right. That makes a little more sense because there's so much water down there. I mean, we actually, right. in our regular I say regular bass fishing. Our club has events down there this year, and then I think the um, well, no, I don't think I know the uh, the uh, the TOC is down there this year, Pool Five, I believe. So yeah, that's new to me. I gotta I'll have to learn some new waters. I can't imagine trying to learn it in a kayak. That would uh, that would be even more difficult. But catching a fish from a kayak is pretty damn fun. Like it's it's a different experience i used to have a, a sit in one so i was really close to the water surface and yeah the, that's what i started with yeah, yeah bass are jumping around and they're splashing you with water it, it's it's pretty fun i got the sit on the sit on now but uh pretty pretty dang fun yeah i definitely like to sit on better for fishing maybe it's just me I, most people do because i think they're safer too because um what's nice about a sit on sit on top is if you do happen to capsize you can turn it, flip it back over and get back on it in the water. Yeah. And it's something, it's something I recommend all people that are getting into fishing, uh, learn to do, take time, go out without any gear, just go out into the water and, and, and flip it over and see what it's like. Make sure you have your PFD on and, and you're not in an area where you get run over or nothing right. and, 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 and flip it over and then practice flipping it back and then climbing back on top. I even got a video that demonstrates how to do it. And and if you get good get good and co- confident that you'll be a lot more confident going out in rougher water and stuff like that because you'll know what to do if something does happen, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and there, I, so I really like that. And, and and I also fish in really cold water, and I don't want to be stuck in a boat that I can't get back into. That's could be you yeah, know, that would not be good. I don't want to end up calling nine one one, you know. And I do I I do fish. I know you mentioned that I like to fish um, in the winter time too. And I always, and I always uh, dress for, in case I swim. Right. So I wear a couple layers of wool, and then I wear what's called a paddling suit or a dry suit over that. And so if I go in the water, even if it's ice cold, 
it's like no big deal. I'm just going back on my boat and then keep fishing. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at a picture right now of uh, you. You're in the water and on Lake Superior. Yep. That's what I originally <laughs> bought it for is for Lake Superior. I bought that dry suit because you're way offshore sometimes and you don't want to. That's a dangerous that lake, man. Yeah, so it's like, so what, but you I got, got that are you suit just... on, and I'm confident I can get back on my craft, and, and you know, and I have, of course, lots of weather. I'm not going to go out if it's, you know, if it's going to storm, but I have been out there. I got pictures. I have been out there when it's three-foot waves. Oh, yikes. But, that, but when it was like that, I stayed close to shore, you know. Right. You know, yeah, so I'm looking at this picture, and so you got, now I'm curious, you got your, the, like, the rod is loaded up. You got, like, a downrigger on there or something? Oh, I got what's called a torpedo diver where it, where you put it, you clip it on your line and it can bring your bait down fairly deep. Okay. And it worked pretty good. I got some, you know, I got a couple smaller lake trout, but I got my bigger lake trout actually just trolling. I actually caught my biggest one on my way in. We saw some fog rolling and we decided to hit hightail to the landing and and got to where there's a mud line because the waves kicked up some muddy, the muddy banks. And all of a sudden I started marking fish and then all of a sudden... My spinning rod, I, you can troll with two or three lines. So I was trolling with two lines, and my, I, I'd troll with a spinning rod with one. And all of a sudden, it started, I heard my drag, and I look, oh, I got a fish. And I got in, and it was like nice big uh, lake trout. And I got that one, and I let it go, and then I got another big one. You know, and you know, one of them was 30 inches, and another one was like oh, 20. Very nice. Really nice fish. So that was fun. But anyway, yeah, that's what I do. And in the wintertime, I fish the rivers. Uh, I go down to Pool 2. Or pool four, I go down out of Everett's and fish for walleyes. That's what I'm doing now. I was gonna go this weekend, but it's even even I got limits. You know, I, <laughs> I I mean I can dress to stay warm. I could stay warm this weekend, but the problem is when it's when it's really cold, is that your fishing gear just ices up too much, and it's just not worth it. Even I so. can't even imagine fishing out of a kayak when it's you know they're looking at twenty to thirty below zero wind chills. Oh yeah, if it was windy, I would definitely. I would. I didn't know it was going to be. I didn't look. I just know it's going to be below zero, and you know I can dress. I could be warm enough. I can dress like a polar bear. I mean, it could be zero degrees, and I can jump out of the kayak and climb up on an iceberg and then swim back to my kayak and get on, and I wouldn't be cold. But yeah, that dry suit. But I would be iced up pretty bad, and right. I'd, be, I'd be miserable. So I, be and my all my gear would be. All my gear would be frozen out. My reels would, I wouldn't be able to cast or jig or nothing. Right, yeah. Get a big fish on. I wouldn't be able to reel it in. So, yeah, I think I'm going to catch up on some reading and I'll, <laughs> and I'll, uh, I, and then watch the Ultimate Panfish League from my computer instead of going out to the event to watch it. Yeah, we got, well, stay warm and so all that. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I'll be out there. I'm in, uh, uh, Minnesota made. So that's, we got, Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah, we're on West Rush, so we're going to be – it's going to be a chilly one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, for one, am glad I'm not going to be out there before dawn. I mean, I'm oddly, I'm oddly looking forward to it. Um, oh, yeah. What lake are you on? West Rush. Oh, yeah, that will be a fun lake. That will be a fun lake. Yeah, so know. it's going to be um, – I, I, like I like the tough fishing days. Uh, I um. Yeah, me too. I don't know. I, I've, it, it, then it really becomes in like the competitive nature of it, like comes into play more. I think like if you get on a day where it's like super comfortable out and the fish are just snapping, like you, there's no such thing as the wrong or right lure, and like everybody's just catching fish. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a coin flip. 
who's going to win that day, right. you know, but when conditions are tough, you know, yeah. and you can do well, then that's something to be really proud of, I think. So I kind of look forward to tough days and tough bites. Yeah. I had a day like that on uh, uh, Ultimate Panthers League three years ago on Lake Pacagama. Mm. Uh, we fishing Saturday and everybody was just tearing up the fish. I mean, big fish. There were, people were posting pictures of bluegills pushing a pound and, <sighs> and bragging about crappies close to two pounds. And, Jesus. And I found a, a good spot you know, where no one was fishing that normally I think would be lights out, but you know, I was catching, you know, nice crappies and nice bluegills, but no big kickers. So I was like, well, we're, we might finish in the top 10 or whatever. Uh, you know, we'll do all right. But, but these people are huge fish and we didn't find them. We didn't find the giants. Well, anyway, we stayed out overnight on the ice. We are all, a lot of people brought their, um, fishing shacks, you know, like ice castles or, or fish houses. So we got up in the morning and the sky cleared out, temperature dropped 30 degrees, clear blue skies, 30 mile gust of north wind. Oof. And the first thing I said is the slate has been cleaned. It's anybody's game now. And uh, it was looking a lot better for us because we went back to our spot and those fish were just still stacked in there. The bite was a lot tougher, but we still caught a ton of fish and we went in and you know, a good limit and sure enough all those big giant fish all got tight lipped no one got big kickers no mm. one at all and we ended up winning the tournament by over a pound oh wow so that so mother nature kind of gave us a gift because we had no we had no idea where the kickers were so but we got you know really nice we, we had you know ten and a half pound bag so we had a nice bag that's a good average, bag yeah average, great average size not one not even close to winning big fish but all our fish were nice so well i found that um in my short time like i said i'm just in my third year here of tournament ice angling that the uh, a, a better average is more valuable than one good kicker i mean unless that kicker is a two pound crappie that might actually yeah, well, you need, to, you know, you need bit, to have but... a good limit to go along with those kickers. Otherwise, you, right. you know, I mean, there was a, I remember one time there was a, uh, we had a UPL on North Arm on Lake Minnetonka. And I, and, and they sprayed for weeds or something because there was no weeds anywhere. So all the fish were all in one area. So it was, this is kind of tournament I like. I like it when everybody's all grouped together fishing the same fish. That's when I do well. But there was this one team that came and kind of started fishing the edge of this, and right away they banged a giant crappie. This, I, it was 16 inches. Ooh. It wasn't two pounds because it was a ringed crappie, or uh, also known as a white crappie. I like to call them ring crappies because that's how you tell. You don't tell by their color. You tell by what markings they have. They have white crappies. They have the rings. That's why they're called Pomoxis annularis because they're named after the rings of a tree. So they're truly called a ringed crappie. Huh. That's but a new one for me. I've never heard that. Oh, most people don't know that, but I know that. And uh, and now you know that. And the problem with ringed crappies, and and, and, this, and we got a lot of ringed crappies on when we won that tournament at Pakegama, mm-hmm. and every one of them went back down the hole. Because the problem with them is they don't weigh a lot. So if you catch a ring crappie or a black crappie, and they're both the same length, you, you want to keep the black crappie usually. 
but anyway, this one this one was 16 inches, but it didn't make two pounds. I think it was a pound nine or something like oh, that. Oh wow! It's still a giant. It's still at that time. It was it by far ran away with the UPL record at the time. But anyway, what happened? They got that big kicker and they go, "Oh, we're on the spot." They went and popped up this big um, portable shelter. We allow to use those if you want the portable ones. Mm-hmm. And so they sat in that thing all day, and they ended up in the middle of the pack for the for their finish, even with that giant kicker. So you got to have a decent limit yeah. to go with that kicker. I, I, I my strategy is always get that big limit first and hope a kicker comes your way. And if you get a decent limit, then you know, then I'll put on a bigger spoon and shoot for the moon, you know, and try to get a giant. But Yeah, that's my – I agree. That's kind of my thing, too. It's like, well, it's more of a mental battle, too, is like get that limit off out of the way so you don't have that in the back of your mind. You always want to come in with a limit at least. And then, yeah, now it's like either upgrade size or check a different spot or then try to get those those kicker fish, like you said. Um we had an event. The first year I was in Minnesota made, actually the very first event was Ampakegama, and we had a better-than-average bluegill bag. Uh, I think we came in like sixth place or something, and the weights were all pretty close. And all we needed was, I wouldn't even say kicker. Like, it was one of those events, you know, we're all pre-fishing, we're catching plenty of, of good 12-inch, you know, crappies. And come tournament day, we just couldn't find those that size of crappies which is weird for that lake um but you know we still came in six and we did the math we're like man if we'd have had like 112 or even 211s we'd have been right there for first but that's how it goes i mean we tried we tried our damnedest but just could not for whatever reason those 12s eluded us it was very frustrating but for our very first tournament event that we were we were pretty happy with the top 10 finish so yeah, not, that's good. Not complaining good. too bad. Yeah. So I'm looking at we're not, I'm not I want to I'm tempted to dive fully into the ice fishing thing, but I'm I'm trolling you on your uh, questions you want. No, I got I got all most of my kayak stuff covered. I wanted to you know definitely get my you know the YouTube site and, and oh, yeah. put in a word for new canoe. I'm on their fishing team, so right on. But uh, other so we can go wherever you want. Now you can go ahead and ask me questions. You know I, I'm you know I'm. You know, I'm game. I will get into that shortly here, but I'm trolling on your your Facebook pictures, and you have you're holding up a peacock bass. Oh. I'm gonna assume you're in the canals of Florida somewhere. Yes, that's yeah. I got a friend of mine I met down there, and he took me out for a day out on the um, canals, and yeah, I got some peacock bass. Boy, they're fun. God, they're a good looking fish, ain't they? Oh, they're really cool looking, and they're and we got some of those, and we went out in the Gulf of Mexico, and I had some topwater action. I couldn't hook up, but had some big strikes. And what's fun is you don't know what the heck that was. Oh yeah, and in the went, ocean, you have no idea. It could be anything. Yeah, and we went into other canals and saw giant gators, and and I uh, saw a giant snook, but I cast. I made a mistake. I cast too close to it. And I spooked Ooh, it. spooked him. Yeah, well, that was fun to get. I'd love to get down there and do that. Like fish, fish for all the exotics that they have down there: the peacock bass, the clown knife fish, snakeheads, all that. I want to. I think that'd be pretty neat. Like there we go. After I when I um get free and can afford it, I'd like to do a trip. Get a bunch of guys on there. Oh, that'd be sweet. I'd be down for that. That would be a ton of fun. Hey, that um, 
again, I'm looking back. You got like a big blue thing on your rod. That's that's just foam. That's just so you don't lose your fishing pole. I'm guessing, right? Yeah, when I have my rods in a rod holder, sometimes I use those to just in case something yanks it out of my rod holder for some reason. I don't know. I I just started trolling this year. Started using line counter reels and trolling for lake trout or walleyes and. I, I had to build confidence in my rod holders, but I, I, now I trust them more, you know, because I've got some fish on with them, and they stay in place good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I need to get some. I've been thinking about that. There's a lake by my house. Um, it's a real shallow lake, typo lake. Uh, it's The DNR survey looks great. I've heard anecdotal evidence that there's some really big crappies and really big walleyes in there, actually. But oh, the yeah. water's so dirty that, and I've been thinking, like, you know what would be kind of fun is just to get some rod holders and uh, just tr- basically troll a rapala. Just get out there and start kayaking yeah. around and, and see what you get. It's very effective. It is very effective. I've done it on Malax at night in the shallow rocks and just lit up the walleyes on stick baits. Just trolling along. It's that fun. would be a lot of fun. But all right, well, let's get into ice fishing a little bit here before we wrap this okay. up. Um, so, how long did you fish in the UPL? I started. In, I fished the very first one they had back in two thousand four, I think. Oh wow! Yeah, I started out and and never fished a ice fishing tournament before. I was gonna fish. They used to have a ice fishing tournament called a Trap Attack. Dave Gens used to put on, and I was gonna fish that. But I um I kind of snoozed for a couple of years, thinking oh, I'll do it eventually. I finally got signed up for one in Okaboji, and then they canceled because there was no ice. So I ended up, and that ended up being the last time, year they had those. So so when I tried to do something on my own, try to organize something, but it ended up just being a get together, which was fun. Oh, so sure. as soon as, so as soon as uh, UPL got started, I go, oh, I got to try this. You know, I, you know, that was a few years later. I, I said, I got to try this. So I went out and I called another friend and and we entered in and I think there was like 15 teams and we ended up winning. So I decided I kind of like this ice fishing panfish <laughs> tournaments, but it wasn't an ice series then. It was a, just the ultimate panfish league and we did we did tournaments all year round. So we did them in the boats and we did them in the winter. And oh, okay. I always thought, well. Doing the ice events was a great way to get through to the real fishing season, open water. But it ended up flipping. No one, hardly anybody showed up. We had four or five boats maybe for the open water events and and a lot more for the ice events. And it ended up turning into winter only. And that, and then that's how it ended up. You know, I thought, I thought that it was going to, I thought the, I thought it was the open water was going to really take off. I thought, oh, I, I got to better win as many as these I can because when it gets big time, I'll build a, you know, and I won't be able to win anymore. I'll be able to brag and say, I used to dominate the UPL, which is now like a $10,000 event or something like that all summer, like a like a panfish version of Bassmasters. Right. But it never happened. No one wanted to fish panfish in the summer, so it turned into turned into a ice fishing, you know, local ice fishing circuit. And that's all it is to this day. But I've fished in it ever since. I, I think I missed maybe – I missed one year. Where where I fished with Lawrence Loomer in uh, in the NIFC, we just decided to do the NAFC Trail, uh, North American Ice Fishing Circuit, 
we did that for one year and I didn't want to do that and UPL. So we, I got out of the UPL. I fished the UPL, but before that I fished the UPL with like five different partners and did well with, with them. I fished with Lawrence Luma, I fished with uh, Jack Halverson and we did really well. And then, uh, then I had that year off where I fished in IFC, and then uh, I was I was gonna be done. I was gonna be done with ice fishing. I wasn't gonna go back to UPL, but I had a, a friend of mine, um, Stuart Manning. He um, was the owner of um, Ace Custom Rods, mm-hmm. and I was interested in maybe learning rod building, and, and he and he happened to um, call me up and say, hey, "I'm looking for a partner for the UPL, and you want to do it?" And I said, "No." And then I thought about it for a while. I go, well, you know, it'd be kind of cool to hook up with them, and, and it'd be kind of fun to get somebody that hasn't done tournament fishing, you know, and maybe teach them a little bit and get in, you know, and, and introduce them to the sport and and just have fun, not really take it really seriously, but just have fun and do that. And so I decided to re-enter the UPL, and we ended up. Uh, doing really well that's the year we won uh that tournament on pokegama so we won our first tournament on pokegama we got in a solid limit in the other two tournaments finishing the top 10 but um so we are actually ahead in points going into the final tournament for angular year but then um that was a year in march where it got to be 80 degrees so we ended up canceling our last tournament so mother nature handed us a team of the year in Stewart's first year, so that was like really cool. So we decided to do it again, and we um, did it again. And we ended up really good, and we ended up it ended up coming down to the last tournament. We got beat really bad on prior lake the tournament before, but we ended up um, we went one another one on Minnetonka, and so we ended up winning winning the final. No, we, we took fifth on Rush Lake. We had a East Rush. We didn't do West Rush. We did East Rush, and we ended up doing pretty good. We got a top 10, and we ended up winning points, winning the points race twice in a row. So that was – that's kind of like I feel one of my biggest accomplishments in ice fishing. I won a lot of tournaments and stuff, but with, you know, with, you know, other tournament anglers that have been fishing for years. So going with somebody new and learning and and, and – and us being able to finish that well twice in a year, that was really, you know, really cool. So, and Stuart fished really well. He learned real quick and pretty soon he was teaching me stuff. So, well, so, you never, uh, you, so you always got to be open you know, to learn, right? That's right. And he did. He was on Rush Lake and he used to sit in one hole and it didn't look like he was moving. It was raining, it was nasty. And I was like, I was like, oh man. I think he's coming out of hypothermia or something. He's not really fishing that hard and stuff like that. And I was all concerned, but I just kept working my fish. And all of a sudden I look up and he goes, look, and I look up and he had this great big crop. <laughs> and that ended up being big, big fish in the tournament. So I said, ah, he's doing just fine. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, so that, that worked out good. And, and, and you know, so we decided to do it again next year. You know, so I ended up going from not doing ice fishing tournaments anymore to doing it again and again. 
but we ended up um trying we decided to take our tournament winnings and tried to buy one of these panoptics things so we ended up doing that and that was interesting i mean we learned a lot you could see you could find fish we on one tournament we found a school of fish that no no one no fish i've ever seen a lure i don't think because they were so stupid <laughs> and, 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 those are the ones you want to find we were catching them, and, and if you missed a bite, their school was so thick as if you got a bite and missed it, you snagged one on the hook set. Oh, wow. I mean, so we sometimes I get a bite and I miss it, and I reel in a fish that was hooked in the belly. That's how thick they were. Crazy. But I, I kind of decided, you know, after doing that for a while, it is effective. I mean, I um, actually um, helped us win, or not win that tournament, we took third, but... Actually, uh, you know, a lot of people think getting a unit like that will cut down on your work. And I found out it's actually the opposite. You'll find more fish and that are moving, schools of fish that are moving. And then it'll be like, oh, they're over there now. And you run over there and drill a hole and maybe catch a fish or maybe, oh, now they're over there. And so I felt like I was chasing that thing constantly. Yeah, I've seen that where it's like if sometimes when they're really on the move, it's hard to... It's hard to stay with them for sure. Yeah, I do got a um interesting uh video I did with some of the top um anglers of the of the actually ice fishing in the world. I mean, they're on uh Team USA and I can tell you my story later about I was actually on the um United States ice fishing team myself at one time. But um but I went out with them and they had one of these live scopes and I actually did a video and and how they showed how they use them to find fish and, and stay on them. Unfortunately, when I did the, the main part of the interview where they explained how to use them, I actually accidentally had my GoPro on um, time-lapse instead of video. So I missed part, I missed the best part, but still good. You can see how they chase them around and you can see what they look like on the screen. So if anybody's interested in learning how to use those live scopes for tournament fishing, that's really the key. And but I decided, you know, I kind of liked what appealed to me is more for ice fishing is the simplicity of it. I mean, for my first UPL, I went out with just a bucket and a few jiggle sticks with the, you know, and and oh, by the way, if you you see all these people using schoolie reels and you wonder they're mis- plastic Michigan reels that Michiganders used to use all the time. Anybody unders where that came from, why people are using those. Well, I'm the one who infected the panfish circuit with that virus. <laughs> well, so <laughs> I was I... using them. I was using them and, and everybody just laughed at me. You know, what are you using those crazy things for? And I go, well, I just like them. I, you know, I, for a while I used spinning reels cause again, that's how Gens fishes. And I figured, well, he's the best fisherman I know. So I use spinning reel and all I did was get frustrated at him. And, and they freeze up, and and, and or they'd have loose parts when I'm jiggling, and feel the loose parts wiggling, and it would distract me. And I go, well, I used to use these plastic reels, and I never ever had problems with them. I caught big fish with them, even you know, they don't have a, a mechanical drag; you just have to use your finger. So I started using them again. I saw that some people in uh, Michigan were using them. I go, well, they're using them for tournaments. Why can't I? So I started using them, and. And it was nice because if I I had a bag full of cheap rods, I used cheap rods, and I had a bag full of those plastic reels, and I lost my bag off my snowmobile, 
And somebody turned it in right away and knew exactly who they were because no one else used those kind of reels. <laughs> so they go, oh, guess what? I found your rods. I go, oh, yeah. And I go, yeah, we know what's why they're your rods because he needs these cheap pieces of junk, you know. You know, and so, but I was, I was winning a lot of UPLs, you know, and this was back in the day. They were a lot easier to win. I tell you, they're, these, these fishermen have gained a lot of skill. I, really, I used to be able to just walk out and not even pre-fishing a lot of times they'd do well, but now you, now you got to put the work in. <laughs> but, Definitely uh, have to do a lot I of work. Winning, I was winning tournaments with these plastic reels and everybody goes, I want to try one of those, you know, and they kind of caught on in UPL. And so everybody, a lot of people started using the plastic reels and, you know, and little did they know that the reel had nothing to do with why I might've been winning or not winning or whatever, you know, the, I just like them. They're light and they don't, ha- they don't freeze up and they're indestructible and, and they, and they don't curl your lineup as much as a spinning reel spool. Well, and if you do well, break one, they're three bucks. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I have broken a couple when I step on them. I've, I've break, broken the handle off them a couple yeah. times. But that's it. You know, well, I'm, I'm fully infected. Uh, I picked up that technique this year okay. and uh, I can't, I have a real hard time picking up yeah. a spinning reel or even an inline, you know, right. Clam spooler. Right. Like they just, that tight line technique is, it's just so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, precise. I mean, you just don't, you don't miss bites. And if you, I mean, the, the good part about it is that if you do miss a bite, you're still right mm-hmm. there in the strike zone. Like you didn't really miss a bite. Like, Although I, I I do have a an amazing talent of still missing fish even when they have it, but <laughs> that's that's like oh, that's yeah. like my superpower. You know, you drop the rod tip, you get the slack, you're like, oh, he has it. Set the hook, gone. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> yeah, I I I know it's a little when you do the technique of dropping your rod tip. I, that I learned actually from Michigan guys, uh, Dave Young and uh, Mike Bodecker. They used to be a they used to be a top team in the NIFC, and then uh, I was. Uh, Mike's uh, teammate on Team USA, but he taught me. They taught me how to drop the rod tip right away when you feel that bite. Because I, you know, I was doing tight lining before that, and I, you know, a lot of times I'd go more by feel or or see that. Well, I watch the line, but I'd still swing and miss a lot. Right. But that really helped. to we ball to the bluegills? They say ball to the bluegill. They suck it in. It doesn't matter what. Right. For bluegills, the key to a bluegill. And I learned this a lot by sight fishing too. If you're just sight fishing, which means you're looking down the hole and you can see the actually see the fish, and your bait is they'll come up, and a lot of times, well, if they're really hungry, it doesn't matter. They just come up, suck it in. It doesn't matter what technique you're using. But a lot of times, uh, when they're really finicky, they'll come up and they'll grab onto either they'll grab onto the jig head or grab onto the side of the of the bait. But you know they don't have the hook, and then they'll slowly kind of back up. And then they'll they'll either spit it out and then come back and bite again, or they'll take that second bite. And that second bite, they'll inhale it. Right. And so if you if if you're fishing by just watching your line or a spring or whatever, however technique you use, and you see that bite and you set the hook, a lot of times you're gonna roll that fish, or you're gonna totally miss it because it has a jig head, or it has just a bait in its mouth. If you're using like a wax worm or a plastic tail, a lot of times they'll hit it, you'll see the bite and set the hook and they won't have the hook yet. They'll have this debate, you'll reel it in, your waxworm will be gone or your, you'll, your tail will be off your plastic. 
But when you ball it, you're giving that fish time to get that bait in their mouth. So you'll, right. you'll, you'll swing and miss a lot less. You'll still swing and miss, I believe me. And it's an, and another thing I'll notice, too, is if you drop that raw tip and that jig just goes right down and you know, the fish spits it out every time, it, the fish are telling you something. Right. They're telling you, telling you you're not using the right thing. You're probably using a bait that's too big. So you might want to try downsizing, or if you're using plastics, you might want to try using a, a maggot or a wax worm on your bait instead, because they're telling you they're they're taking it that one time, tasting it, and they're saying no. I'm, right. I'm, not, hitting that. I'm not hitting that. Yeah, that's a weakness that's of mine. Problem. I got into plastics, and <clears throat> I'm so reluctant to put bait on <laughs> now. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. And then before I got into the tight lining thing, like last year, I was I wouldn't say arguing, but I was. Um, you know, we'd be talking about it. The guys are using the tight lines and I was using a spring bobber and that, that second bite, like you talked about, um, I learned that with my spring bobber. There'd be a lot of times, you know, I'm jigging and I'm watching and all of a sudden I see, you know, my spring bobber will go and then somebody be like, why aren't you setting the hooks? I'm like, and I'll say, well, he doesn't have it yet. You're like, well, I saw your spring bobber. I'm like, yeah, but he doesn't have it yet. And then that second one, then I would set the hook and sure enough, then he'd be on. So I'd kind of learned. I'd kind of learned that by the process of trial and error. And so I thought I was pretty good about detecting, you know, really light and subtle bites with my spring bobber. So that was my thing. Like we got to talking about tight lining. I'm like, boy, I just feel like, I feel like I'm, I can pick up any bite that tight lining would be, you know, and of course I'm speaking out of ignorance because I had never done tight lining. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, So then I, I'm like, well, it's a technique I don't know. If nothing else, I need to learn it for just another tool in the box. And yeah. since I started doing it, 100% there are bites that I was not detecting on my spring bobber. So I've definitely caught more fish employing the tight lining method than than I have with a spring bobber for sure. They probably both well, still yeah, have their time and place. but Yeah, I love it. And it's just fun. The fight, because the rod the rod yeah. and reel is so light, Um you you get all of the fight when you're when you're fighting the fish like it's you're feeling everything and you're just kind of more connected to the whole um experience it's pretty cool i like it i recommend people give it a try if nothing else it's fun you know it is a lot of fun it really kept me into the ice fishing longer than i had planned it is fun watching i love watching that gold line but um but I should also note that some of the greatest ice fishermen in the world use springs or oh, striking well, skaters just and, to, they do it, and they and they and they it's just all a matter of what you get proficient in right and 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 just you know do it you know well, and um, minnesota made last year um nick and Leif they ran away with it they went first first second first last year and then they won one lake this year already and they're not they don't tight line they use set rods a lot i mean they're you know it's uh they and they're doing just fine. So yeah, you don't. Do you have to tight line to be competitive? No, for sure mm-hmm. you don't have to. And it's a lot less. Um, the presentation is not as key. The tournament scene has changed, which is kind of what got me kind of out of it because it takes a lot more work now. But the key of winning tournaments now is much more like Al Linder said: location, location, location. Yep. It's not like the old days. I like the old days where everybody got together and fished against each other you know, in a tight area and, and those are the kind of tournaments I, you know, do better. But when you, well, now you got, you know, teams that are 
you know, they have their live scopes and their panoptics and their uh, cameras, and they go out and spend days sometimes out on the water finding these schools of fish that don't get fished. And, and it's almost like, well, I can't just come out on a weekend and beat these guys. You know, I'm going to have to take some time off work and, you know, I don't really want to do that. Take time off work, you know? And yeah, I don't spend. have uh we don't, Joel and yeah. I don't have a uh, live scope or uh pan optics, uh, which we do covet for, it would, I feel like it would shorten down our scouting time, but we do spend as much time as we can with the camera. Yeah, and, and, and it depends and, on the lake too. It depends on the lake. Uh, some lakes, uh, a camera would actually be better. Uh, if you got shallow, weedy, mm-hmm. weedy lakes, and you, you, you know, still cameras, still um, a hot ticket item to be using. Oh, for, for sure. That. Yeah, and then there's some lakes where a camera is pointless. I mean, our last lake of the year is going to be Cross Lake in Pine City, and that's you yeah, know, that's dark water. There's exactly no the weeds to be had. Like that's a panoptics yep. lake for sure. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, Minnesota made yep. in Minnesota made though you can use them for scouting and pre-fishing, but you can't use them on tournament day. So oh okay yeah, All which right. I kind of like. I you know it's yeah. um it goes back to then it's not um who has the best gear, you know yeah or who has the best skill to use it. I mean we we fish a panop- panoptics for two years and and we had our we we didn't make the top three even both those times so so, you know so you know i learned later you know how they do it you know and and but i I just said you know that's i I know how to do it now but it's not for me i I don't i don't want to do that i know i don't want to adapt and that's what you got to do when the tournament season changes you either got to adapt or you're not competitive anymore So right. I could be competitive again if I put my mind to it and I went and bought the unit and I went and spent the time. You know, I figured, what well, you know, I'm going to let somebody else fish them and, and win, you know, and see if somebody can catch up to, up to me for money winnings in UPL. We'll see. It'll take a few years. Yeah. You're but maybe. Yeah. You know, still. but yeah. So, you know, that's great. And I still like to go to events sometimes and, and uh, in the afternoon, watch away in and see all the guys. I look, that's, that was my favorite part anyway of the UPLs is, getting together with the guys and having fun. That's the main thing. So I still want like to participate in that, you know, maybe I'll help out or do something or take some photos or, you know, something like that. I took some good photos at the last event. And that was fun. I had more fun doing that. I think than I would have chasing fish around all day. And yeah, I agree. I, I love the, the camaraderie that you get um, in those clubs. That's, that's, I mean, I'm a very competitive person and I love the competition. Don't get me wrong, but for me, it's, you know, I love just getting together with your friends on ice. You know, it's that you share, have this shared passion. That's that's a big element for me, too. And I'm looking at a picture of you here, MT. You got your little tiny palm rod, the tiny ultra micro rods, and you're staring right. down a hole there. So, how was so? Uh, talk us through your experience with the USA team. All righty. Well, I just um, decided I wanted to try it. Me and Lawrence Loomer decided we wanted to try out for the team. And I was like, uh, oh, was it 2011 or 2012? I don't remember right now. Huh. But uh, the tryouts were at Wausau, Wisconsin, and that's a really interesting uh, format, and, and it's something I really like. Is is where they have um, each country has five anglers, four that fish, and in four or five. Oh boy, I should have wrote notes down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh five yeah five different anglers and then a six um 
uh, alternate in case one of anglers doesn't do well on the first day of the tournament, they, they can swap. So, but uh, we were doing this, but we'd have, we had like about 20 or 30, you know, some of the top guys in, in the United States ice fishing teams. And we had tryouts where we'd make zones. I don't know exactly how big they are, maybe the size of a football field. And you had to fish within that zone and you cannot use uh, a flasher or a power auger. You can use any kind of pole you want. I, I, you can use a schoolie rod, or you, you can use these palm rods. It's a, it's a your the palm rod is a uh, more of a European style fishing. Mm-hmm. It's a super light, um, super light indicator on it. For they do fish for a lot of a lot of times. The strategy is to catch as many small fish as you can to get the biggest weight for your zone. And so they'll use these. That's why you got to use these super light strike indicators and super light line because if you use too stiff a spring or you try tight lining the fit these little um they're called um they're like a shiner they call them a roach and you 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 have to catch as many as you can as fast as you can and if you have too stiff of equipment they just pull your bait off you don't Hmm. they can't get the they won't get the bait in their mouth so you got to use that really light stuff so we were practicing using this stuff so we could you know, compete against these other teams that you, that are, you know, are well-versed in that technique. But um, anyway, me and Lawrence tried out for the team and we were kind of in the middle of pack, uh, you know, kind of iffy whether we might make it or not. And it was three days of, you know, we'd have two, three-hour heats for two days and then the last day was the final heat. And we, everyone fished in the final heat. No one, I don't think anyone got eliminated because it was really close. The final heat, and, it's, and it was like as many fish as you can catch, and then you weigh in your bag. And the wild card is uh, there's uh, panfish, you can only keep what your, whatever your limit was. So if you got copies or whatever, you could only weigh in the, whatever the limit was. But if you caught like shiners or perch or um, carp, if you got a carp, uh, you could weigh it in. You had your limit of panfish. Oh Boy, that my gosh. Help your that, would so, help, that would help your weight substantially. <laughs> yeah, so I fished, you know, I, I fished pretty good. I got fish. I had tough days. We had one zone where no one caught fish. Oh, wow. But, um, we, the last last day, you know, kind of struggling. I got some fish, but it was I wasn't sure I was going to make a team. I, I, I didn't know if I had enough. And about an hour left to go, I I hooked into this big heavy thing, and I started. And I, I was using all these little palm rods, so you know you just throw the rod down and you just work work it with your work the line with your hands. Try to get the fish in. And I was like, oh, I hope this isn't a walleye or a northern because game fish don't count. So I finally got it. I worked it up, and it kept on the top thing kept bouncing the line, and then it would go slack. And I kept thinking, Oh, I got away. Oh, and then I'd feel it was still on there. And I thought, oh, I bet this was a carp because carp do that. And sure enough, I got it in. It was like, you know, about two pound carp. Hmm. And that popped me up to third place. I ended up uh, winning third place in the final tryouts and I made a team. Wow. So that carp got me in for sure. It I don't know if I would have made it or not without the carp. So I got on the team. So I was on the team with some of the, you know, it was kind of humbling because I was on the team with some of the best anglers in the world, like Mike. Bodecker and uh, Myron Gilbert, uh, Chad Schwab, 
he's one of the best um, ice fishermen on the circuit now today even uh so it was really um cool and and then the the world championship was on that same lake um in Wausau, Wisconsin, usually it's overseas, like in Russia or something like that. But this time it was here. It was the same rules and, and stuff like that. But we had teams coming from all over. And we had to determine. We had to, we had 10 people total on the team. And we had to determine. There, we have five anglers. And we have that one alternate. And we have four anglers that stay on the side of the zones and spot and watch what the other teams are doing. And, and then they can kind of... If they see somebody getting on fish, they can tell you. You know, you can you can come up to the sidelines and go, "What are they doing?" or whatever, and oh, they'll tell okay. you what's going on. So you can be a spotter. So the teams that don't end up being anglers at the end are are the spotters. So we had a fish off a week before the we we did some practice a week. We went we got together a week before the actual World Championships, and we did some practice and tried to get our patterns down and stuff like that and figure out an area where we want to set up the zones where we know it's pretty good fishing and we know where some of the structures are. So, we, so the home team usually has a little bit of an advantage. That's what I'm sure that's what all the teams do when they have it in their country. Mm-hmm. So we had, you know, and we practice and stuff like that. And we had a fish off. We all got together in a zone and had a fish off to determine, you know, who would be the top anglers. And we had three different heats and the first heat I did really good. I was like in second place overall. It was looking good. In the second place, I kind of struggled, but I got one fish. So um, was, I had to do good in that first, that third heat, and I ended up zeroing on the third heat. I didn't get a, I didn't get a bite. Oh no! So I was like, I went from for sure being in. I ended up finishing. When you added all the heats up together, all together, I ended up in sixth place. So I ended up getting the alternate position. So. So if one of the team one of the team members struggled on this on the first day, then I'd get to fish in the world championships on the second day. So I was like the alternate. So I spotted the first day. I spotted for Myron Gilbert the first day of the world championships was the week after. You know, we had teams coming from Russia, uh, from uh, Bulgaria and, and Latvia and all these different countries. There, uh, there was even a team from Japan there. So there was like hmm. 11, 11 different teams, 11 or 12 different teams. And they set up the zones at five different zones. And a member of each team would fish in that zone in five different zones. So so after day one, we were, Team USA was really struggling. We were in the middle of the pack. And so we decided to go with a different strategy. And I ended up fishing day two of the World Championships. And that was really... That was like my most exciting ice fishing experience, you know, of all getting to fish in that. And, but it, it's really interesting competition. I mean, you had certain rules, you had to drill a whole certain amount of length away. Hmm. And if somebody, if you thought somebody was too close, they'd have officials that would come out with a, with a rope that's really exactly, exactly 10 feet or whatever the distance was, you had to be away. So it's almost like a game of chess. You had to drill certain holes. You can only drill a certain hole, and you had to put a peg down by your hole to go drill another hole. And if you put a peg down, then no one can come within 10 feet of your hole or drill another hole. But if you left the hole and you didn't put a peg down, another anchor could run in there and take your hole right away. <clears throat> put his peg down, 
So it's if if you're one of those kind of people that don't like it when people move in on you, you wouldn't like the, you wouldn't like the style. But this is this is how it is. It's a, it's almost an athletic event. You see people sprinting across their zone with their auger to drill another hole. It's really different. I you know I'm a much of a sprinter, but I you know I drilled my fair share of holes, and this is my first national competition. Yeah, I made a few mistakes. I ended up drilling too many holes, and a guy from Poland came and stole one of my holes and got a fish right away. And I was like, oh no. You know, but I just, you know, I didn't let it get in my head. I just stuck to my game and fishing and uh, getting some tips from my um, spotter and, and the culture. We have a culture too. They'll give you some tips and stuff like that. And I just stuck with it. And other than that, just fished like I normally fish. I ended up using my um, schoolie rod and my ice blue cheap, cheapy rod because I was my I was on a crappie pattern. You know, uh, so I ended up catching three kind of smallish crappies, you know, but it was a tough bite. And, and uh, you know, so I I was happy with my performance and waiting. And at the end, there's, there's a whistle that blows and everybody has to pull their lines in. And then the, um, we stand there and then the official comes and gets our fish. And they, and they um, the guy that collects the fish came to my bucket. And he was like, "Oh man, you ran away with it. You won. You won the zone." And I was like, "No, really?" And he was like, yeah. And everybody struggled. And so, so when he grabbed my, when he saw my fish, he thought, "Oh, I won the zone," and stuff like that. And little did I know, there was a. I was fishing in my zone. I was fishing against a Russian world champion. I was fishing against like two different world champions. Uh, you know, an individual. They have a individual and a team world championship. So I didn't even know that, but. um but they were fishing right next to me, and they were the ones stealing my holes. <laughs> you know, and they didn't. I, I guess they didn't tell me. I didn't want to, me to get nervous. But anyway, I thought I was all excited. Oh, I thought I won. I thought I won my zone. You know, I've never won a zone in this competition before, so I was all excited. So, so they had to weigh in. They do a weigh in, and they each team has a member go up and weigh in. And then I happened to be the last person of all the teams of all the countries to weigh in. I was like, oh, I'm gonna be, you know excited to win well i ended up not winning oh no <laughs> i ended up taking second place in my zone there was a guy from oh i forgot the country he was in he was just a guy he was fishing in the corner all alone nobody fished by him and he just happened to catch a big big crappie and he caught a small perch and he ended up beating me by two grams oh my god two that's like <laughs> that crappie would have ate a, a wax worm or two right one of my crappies would have ate a couple of my wax worms before getting caught I would, you know that's you all would've, i would have needed. you would have been right there <laughs> or if i would have caught a fish the size of my think of my pinky i would have won that's the thing with these national competitions it can come down to the tiniest tiniest of a fish that's why we use crazy a little deer but it, it, some people think it's always fishing little little fish and that's not always the case sometimes Sometimes you get on a big bite. Uh, sometimes we were thinking maybe it'll be a carp bite, but no one caught, no one in the single, in the whole competition got a carp. What a carp, or what are carp biting on under the ice? We were catching them on a, a small, little, um, we call them mar, marmishka. It's just like a tiny little jig. They, they have a, they're, they're usually gold. They have a hole in them, and then you tie a snell knot to the hook thing. Okay. And that's what you usually use. Although you can use a painted jig too. You cannot use a, a, you cannot use an artificial lure. You can't use like a plastic bait. You have yeah, to use, I saw that. That's weird. 
yeah, you have to use a maggot or a wax worm or, or, or a, a blood worm or, or any kind of, you know, worm type bait is what they use. And uh, that's what they were getting the carp on in practice. We found a lot of carp in practice. We found a spot where we just fished for fun for a while because we were getting these carp. And it's God, just that would be fun under my the ice. Rod. It just starts spinning my schoolie reel. And <laughs> it, was, it was a riot. But yeah, the carp didn't play it. They didn't play any anything at all in in the in this uh, huh. world championship competition so yeah i can't say i've ever caught a carp under the ice i bet that would be a lot of fun actually oh yeah it'd be it'd be fun i caught one i caught a, a couple of weeks ago i caught a carp on a jerk bait how in my kayak i was like he hit it like a ton of bricks i, was like, what the heck? <laughs> I hit it and i was ready to see i figured oh it's gotta be a big bike you know and then i you know i saw a big huge round kind of brownish colored fish I go oh it's a great big small mouth and then i saw the mouth and i go that's a little too small <laughs> it was a carp and he hit it huh Looked right in the lip he hit it pulled the rod out of my hands one summer i got i was able to get a, a carp on a topwater bait i was fishing i was just wading the mississippi up by st cloud and i was fishing for bass you had know, poppers or whatever and i come across this huge school of carp and they're right up next to the surface of the water and they were they're eating cottonwood seeds that were just floating yeah. on the water yeah. and so i like had this you know my popper had a little white feather on the background i was like i wonder if they would eat one of these things well i'd cast out there and as soon as that thing would hit the water they'd all scatter i'm like well that's yeah. not gonna work so i cast way beyond them and then reeled in slowly and even that they didn't like that and then, so basically, I, I went back to my old fly fishing roots, and I cast way upstream, and I just got there you go. figured out the drift, and I didn't touch that jig. I just dead drifted it through there, and sure enough, here comes those little lips, and just sucked that white feather in. Boom, set the hook, and the fight oh, was yeah. on. It was a good carp, too. It was probably, I mean, not huge by carp standards, but it was, I don't know, it was well over. I didn't weigh it, but it was, you know under 10 but well over five you know somewhere in that oh, nice. range so yeah on bass tackle it gave me a pretty good run so I was... yeah yeah i i uh, there's a whole group of guys who fly fish them. they call them freshwater bonefish yep because they're really tricky they're really spooky to catch on on a fly i i've done it a few times i've had luck with a beadhead nymph where i where i could actually sight fish them and yeah you had to you can cast anywhere near them you had to kind of work it up and get it right by them and sometimes they Sometimes they'd hit it, and that's a blast, man. They'd smoke your, start smoking your reel for a little bit. And obviously, don't fight as far and as long as a bonefish, but they give you a good tussle on they, a fly rod. They are you. a lot more than a bass would give you. Yeah, they are. They are strong for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at. Uh, I'm still on your Facebook. You got a lot of a lot of content on here. Uh, your photography skills are quite impressive. Your wildlife photography is is really really good. Um, I like the bird stuff a lot. Um, I'm a waterfowler, but then on that, you got a lot of owl stuff in here, and I have a, I have a, uh, I like owls. Cool. A lot. You have a lot of owl stuff, and I'm digging it. <laughs> but uh, what have you done with your wildlife photography? Is it that's just a hobby? Yep. Yeah, I do got a, I do got a website, mtsimages.com/smugmug. I got a smugmug site. I got all my wildlife on there. If anybody's interested, I, you know, you know, I got, I do, I did, um, 
a lot of northern light back when the sun was really uh, the solar cycle was at its peak there was a lot of northern light so i went up north and got some neat pictures of the northern lights and i got a picture of a fireball in the sky once and yeah wildlife I, my favorite is loons i did a lot of loon pictures things like that so you know you can check that out i used to do uh storm chasing i used to yeah. take pictures of tornadoes and lightning and things like that i got a lot of that on the on my site and stuff like that and i was really got i really for a while i kind of got away from fishing got into photography but but i tell you that getting that new canoe really um ignited my uh love for fishing again i really got back into it so you know even though i'm kind of wimping out on the ice fishing on my open water fishing's taken off i have fishing you know every every month of the year even up here in minnesota there's always places where i can find open water yeah that's pretty so, hardcore to be a ice to be a kayak fisherman in the winter in minnesota that's real hardcore <laughs> oh it hasn't been that hardcore this year we haven't really had much wind no it's been a it's been a good weekend, you know? it's been it's been definitely every pretty much every weekend has been fishable except one weekend we had a cold cold and it froze up my my favorite spot on down pool two down under the 494 bridge is frozen solid. <laughs> but uh, it, it, I heard it thawed out this week, and so I'm itching to get back out there, but now I'm sure it's going to freeze. And yeah, now it's going to lock back up again. But it has been a pretty mild winter. Can't can't complain oh, too much about that. For as cold as it's going to be this weekend, uh, fishing our tournament events, it's it's been pretty nice. But Well, I would, would complain if it did any good, but I know it doesn't. Right, exactly. <laughs> So it's going to be cold whether I, whether I whether I talk about it or not. Right. So I'll, I'll catch up on my reading or do something else. Or, you know. Well, you start getting a little more organized on that that Florida um, exotic fishing trip down there in those canals. Keep me in the loop. I could be talked into that. That sounds like something right up my alley. Yeah, it'll be a little while, but uh, definitely, I'll, I definitely. I'm interested in doing that. And if you want to, and when it gets warmer up here too, you know, if you want to try my new canoe or if you know anybody that wants to try one, you know, I'm, I'm always willing to, willing to share the love, man. Yeah. I'd be interested to check that. I love, I love, I like my kayak. I don't use it nearly as much as I'd I'd like to. Um, Got too many irons in the fire. Yeah, just be careful. It could be addicting. Might, <laughs> yeah, oh, I love kayak fishing. I've done it. Melt, it is melt fun. away because you forget about them. Right. It is, it is a lot of fun for sure. Well, well MT, give everybody your uh, where they can find you, all the websites and stuff again, and I'll put those in the show notes too so people can follow the link. And uh, I appreciate, appreciate, appreciate you taking out some time. This was really fun. Yeah, boy, time went by fast. It's, kind of, it's almost been two hours. Holy cow. Yeah. But anyway, I, I, you know, um, if you want to watch my uh, videos, uh, you know, it's uh, just look up uh, Fish Chasers in uh, YouTube. It's my YouTube channel. You see, uh, you'll see all my kayak stuff. You'll see the, the uh, ice fishing uh, video of Team USA using the live scope on there. And you'll see uh, I did also did uh, the, uh, last year I videoed all my ultimate panfish tournament events from last year i did those on video and my friend um tom dobbins took some cool shots of a drone i got to splice those into my video oh, and I, that was really neat check that out you can check out you know yeah all my um you can check out how i demonstrate flipping my um kayak and getting back on it and, and also show how my dry suit works i went swimming in lake malax uh one week after ice out with, with uh two foot waves 
for an hour. I went swimming for an hour and I Yikes. didn't even get cold. I didn't even get cold. I had a little tiny bit of water come in my collar because I got what's called a semi-dry suit, which means is 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 you cinch the, it's a neoprene collar. It's a lot more comfortable for fishing all day instead of the latex. Mm-hmm. But if you go underwater a lot, it can leak a little bit of water. But I, you know, I was in the wavy water and going underwater and stuff for like over an hour, and I oh, just yikes. got a little bit damp. I didn't get wet enough to be cold, so that works plenty good for. So I'm confident that would keep me dry and warm anytime I, if I ever fell in by accident. Sure. So yeah, check out those videos, fish chasers. I got uh, I got my kayak. Uh, it's not just kayak only, but canoe, kayak, float tube uh tournaments whatever kind of you know even wade fishing and bank fishing it's called uh fish chasers is on my uh, facebook group you can check that out if you're into learning more about oh, it's fish chasers fishing. on facebook too I'll yep fish chasers group i got a page fish chasers but don't go to that go to the face the group page the group page okay, yeah and, got it and, and and you can uh yeah sign up that and i'll let you in and share your fishing tips um photos whatever tournaments that you're going to or tournaments that you fish any of that kind of stuff or photos you know you know if you fish for fun or tournaments it doesn't matter you know you know so you know that's what i do very cool online that's my main thing so very cool well mta had a had a great time i appreciate it once again this was awesome uh, all right, great. Stay in touch. You ever have anything you want to promote or uh, new stories? Feel free to reach out. Let me know. Have you on anytime? Oh, I always have. I I got a I got enough stories to fill up. <laughs> I don't know my whole oh, uh, bedroom. I did forget story. one thing. Yeah. I did want to bring up when in my uh, troll around on your pictures here on Facebook, um, you seem to be a connoisseur of brews. I see you're drinking a lot of good beers. Man, you're going way back. <laughs> I used to be a total beer snob. I used to be um, Darth Vader, Lord of the Dark Side, and I was and I was, and and, I, and and the only dark side I liked was the beer. The darker mm, the best. Yeah, but, I agree. Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a dark beer guy too. Well, I, there's not too many beers I don't like, unless they unless they rhyme with Udweiser. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't drink so much now. But every once in a while, um, I go to um, there's this place called uh, Black Forest Inn, and they have some really good German beers. Oh yeah, I've been to Black Forest. Oh yeah, they have a they have a oatmeal stout that's really good. I bring it up because I do uh, on the podcast here. I have a segment every once in a while. I do a thing I call a flight companion. It's a ripoff of Joe Rogan's Fight Companions, where him and his buddies all watch uh, UFC fights and and talk about it while watch it while talking about crazy stuff. But I do a flight companion where I'll get a few people together and we'll sample a flight of beer. Uh, each person will either go to a brewery or be at a house, and then everybody brings a different beer for everybody to try. And then you know we talk whatever. It has less to do about the beer than anything else. Like we talk about who knows what comes up. Usually it's fishing or outdoor related, but not always. Um, it could be movies or anything. But and then we try a beer, and everybody kind of gives their uh, opinions on that. But um, if you're ever yeah, interested in something like that, we can, we can set that up. Maybe get Loam on there. You guys can spin yeah, some tales of old. That would be fun. Uh, I, you know, that's that's exactly what my relationship with beer is now. I don't usually drink beer anymore, but I, every once in a while, I can get together with friends or get together with my pops. Me and my pops like to have a beer together every now and then. But 
but so that kind of thing, I'd yeah, that'd be fun. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll have to look into setting something like that up. I think that'd be that'd be a pretty good time. Yeah, back when I used to drink a lot of beer, I ate a lot of sugar and a lot of carbs, and I was like uh, really fat, and it really messed up my hips. So I went mm. low carb and quit all carbs, and pretty much quit beer too. And lost all that weight, and you know, feel like twenty years younger now. You know? Well, I like I like beer. I don't usually. I, I'm not one I to. Like it, you know, once in a while. Yeah, you know? I'm not one I to drink to excess. Again, I get that beer belly back, and I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So far, that has seemed to have eluded me. I'm a I'm a pretty svelte individual, but uh, I don't well, I don't when drink you get a to lot. Be about forty or so, you might start to notice. Well, that, I'm forty seven, and I, th- well, I think. Oh, you're doing good then. You you probably work out or do something, right? Nope, now. don't do anything. I <laughs> just blessed with the overactive. Um, I don't, what do you call it? Like my. Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> you got me there. Oh, what do you call? Uh, the words words are tough sometimes. <laughs> Well, that's why you got. That's why you got an editor, right? Right. Yeah, that's me. Uh, God, yep. it's right on the tip of my tongue. This is so stupid. I hate when this happens to me. But whatever. Uh, metabolism. There it is. I have a very high metabolism. Oh, I just I can eat donuts, candy, whatever I want, and it doesn't seem to affect me. But oh, good. I hope it doesn't catch up with you like it did me. <laughs> well, I hope so too. But I actually try to eat, you know, relatively good. And um, like I said, I, I like beer, but I don't. I don't drink copious amounts of it i don't drink to excess i i like it i generally enjoy beer because i enjoy beer and i don't i don't the fact that it has alcohol in it has nothing to do with it so exactly well i like all the good foods that the cdc supposed says you're not supposed to eat sure lots of fatty meat lots of oh yeah and lots of oh lots of uh, fish and butter and all that stuff and and I think that's the best thing for yeah, you. I'm in with all that. I'm in with all the actual whole foods. If I can't pronounce it, I probably don't need to be eating it. Well, you can eat it for fun, but it's not. Don't call it food. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to pass up a Snickers. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, if I go yeah. out and, and I procure some wild mushrooms and I pick some wild greens and I thaw out a venison steak, and yeah, that, that, makes like me, that. that stuff makes like me that. happy. Procure, procure, procure. <laughs> right. Yes, that's a that's what I like to say when I go fishing. I'm gonna procure some big ones. Yeah. Then if, you're, then if you're doing tournament fishing, you're a pro procure. Yeah, I was hoping I'd procure that hobby. Maybe <laughs> next year. I'm next time again. So we'll Maybe. Well, I'll be following we'll along. If you do, if, then if I we'll... do win it, you'll see it online for sale. Because I'm not parting with my new canoe. I love my new. Canoe. Yeah. There you go. I'll, we'll be. I'll be following along. And uh, if you do win it, well, then we're definitely gonna have to have you on again. We'll get a recap of that event. All righty. Cool, dude. All right, well, we will talk to you later. Excellent. Thanks, Thanks a lot. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye.